1: This is Cork today with Patricia Messenger on the home of Cork's greatest hits. Cork's greatest hits. Corks. Corks, Corks, Corks greatest hits. C one. Of-
3: And a very good Tuesday morning uh, to you, welcoming you along to the programme. John Paul sitting in, taking your calls as always, 1850 333 103. uh, Text or WhatsApp 1850 333 103 and call, um, sorry, 1850 333 103. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Already getting an amount of calls, John Paul tells me, from people who are heading up to the Liam Miller tribute match and people concerned, to where they 're going to park and where are they are they going to leave their car, and how are they going to get out to Porkyquieve, and what 's the best way to travel uh, to Porkyquieve? Well, just to let you know this morning in the first hour, we will be speaking with somebody from Anglesey Street, guard the station just to talk about the traffic plan that 's in place. There is a full traffic management plan. In place for Porky Queef today, I'm thinking that they're going to do a traffic management plan similar to what they did for the Ed Sheeran concerts back in May, because there was three full sellout Ed Sheeran concerts in May all happening in Porky Quayve to the same kind of numbers every day and the traffic management plan worked very well back in May so i take it that they'll run with something similar the only added dimension to it this time round is it's a working day the cheering concerts were held over a bank holiday weekend which was slightly different which meant you know business the the normal businesses that work Monday to Friday weren't happening while everybody else was heading up to the city so that is an added dimension, there's extra people on the roads, there's going to be extra people in the city so you can expect delays. I think it is inevitable if you are opting to take your car to the Lee Miller to get you to the city to watch the Lee Miller tribute ma- match then you can't expect delays and also people who headed have already headed to the city this morning in their normal mode of transport heading up by car to go to work I think when they're coming home they can expect delays because they're, they're reckoning between five and seven this evening when the match is over people are leaving Porky Cueve getting back into their cars and heading home there's going to be a lot of traffic heading out of the city between five and seven this evening. So I think just, you know, once people know there's going to be delays and have a little bit of patience and everything will run uh, smoothly and, you know, obey all of the uh, guardi that are going to be on the beach, advising people and directing uh, traffic. And don't forget, there is a shuttle, a special shuttle bus that's operating. There's only one shuttle bus um area operating and it's from Lapsky. I think it's about every 10 minutes is the frequency and we'll get more details on that I know uh, earlier we were there had we had been led to believe that people who would be travelling by train to Kent Kent Station would be able to jump on, on a shuttle bus that would take them out to Porky Cueve but for for whatever reason I don't know what it is that shuttle bus is now not operating so the only place where you can pick up a shuttle bus is from uh, Laps Quay uh, to Monaghan uh, Road on a, something like a 10 minute frequency we'll find out more if you have particular questions get them in so we can put it to the guard that join us this morning because we just want everything to run off as smoothly as possible and for it to be this to be an enjoyable day it is of course going to be a very emotional day and I can't help but think of Liam. Miller's family today and how they are going to be feeling it is going to be very very emotional and of course there's a big event on tonight as well we'll be previewing the match as well because Trevor, Wol- Trevor Welch of Virgin Media who are showing the match on TV he's going to be commentating so he's going to be talking to us and also talking to us about Lee Miller the man and Lee Miller the soccer player and, and what Lee achieved in his very very short life and we've invited Darren McGann uh, to join us the singing uh, the singing taxi man who we, who is a great friend of us here on the programme and we're all huge, huge fans of Dara and I was absolutely thrilled when I heard that he has been selected to sing the National Anthem. I could not have thought of a better person to stand in Porky Creve today and belt out the National Anthem. It will just be, it'll be fantastic because there's a number of people travelling from um, the United Kingdom who are coming over to watch the match so it's going to be you know, quite an event in itself. I mean, on top of all the fantastic players, that are going to be on the pitch, but in the stands, there's going to be a lot of people from the United Kingdom, more fans of Lee Miller, who are coming over uh, for the match uh, as well. So to have Dara belt out or on the V and no doubt everybody in the stands singing along with him. It'll be quite a special, special moment. So the first hour of the programme today, we will be very much dedicating to the Liam Miller uh, tribute match and someone already saying is the match going on on TV, TV3? It is. It's uh, Virgin Media are showing it. Now I know they're showing it on Virgin Media Sport, which obviously is a paid for, it's a subscription channel but they're also showing it on Virgin Media 3, which is free to air we'll get Trevor to explain exactly how you can see the match, but the match is being broadcast, I know kickoff is at 3 o'clock we'll find out from Trevor, I don't know exactly know what time, I imagine maybe half two, the commentary or the broadcast will actually start. We'll find out all of that um, with Trevor in a couple of minutes. But as I say, if you've got any questions with regard to getting to or from the event, get it into us so we can put it to the Gardaí uh, on the programme this morning, 1850 333103. We're going to discuss the work of ParentLine later on on the programme today. Uh, ParentLine has been going now for I meant to check exactly how many years ParentLine has been in operation. We certainly have been speaking to them for the last certainly the last uh, decade and I just thought it would be interesting they seemly they they are so busy now they're looking for new volunteers and it's a Dublin based it's a Dublin-based service, obviously. They're looking for volunteers that live in and around the, the Dublin area. But we just thought that when you know they're looking for new volunteers, it's an opportunity to talk with them about the success of ParentLine, but also to talk to them, what do parents ring ParentLine about? What are the main concerns? What worries parents the most? And how has parenting changed over the years? I mean, you think back to... 15-20 years ago when people were parenting children they didn't have the worry of social media. I mean the ongoing argument about smartphones what age do you give a child a smartphone uh, at and when then when you give a child a smartphone how do you keep them safe? How do you keep them safe from online bullying which unfortunately has become all too um, prevalent. I'm assuming the parents are ringing parent line looking for advice on things to do with the internet and things to do with smartphones because many young people from a very young age are very tech savvy and some parents will say they're more tech savvy than they are and that worries parents as well. So we'll, we'll talk around that and if you have a question for the experts on Parentland we'd love to hear from you 1850 333 103 We're going to remember Ireland 100 years ago and in particular the town of Formoy 100 years ago taking us back to 1918 which was the end of the the great war as it was known world war 1 and i was shocked to discover doing some research for this piece that 200 men from the formoy area didn't return home from the from the great war what impact did that have on a town the size of formoy and then those that did make it back from the from the trenches shell shock um, post traumatic stress post-traumatic syndrome, which wasn't known as a PTS at the time. People didn't know what it was. They just knew that the men that came back were not the same as the men that they, uh, that they left. And shell shock was a term that was used to describe what these men and the the mental health of these men when they came back on top of men who came back with lost limbs, etc. In, in an era uh, where there wasn't the same services that are available uh, today. And it's, it'll all be discussed this weekend at the first Thomas Kent history symposium and we'll speak with the organizer of that event on the program today and joe heffernan uh, will join us we're continuing to discuss sad seasonal affective disorder we're just coming into the winter months the nights are already beginning to close in mornings are starting to get a bit uh, chilly and for some people they absolutely dread this time of the year because their mood goes goes down and they end up with something that's called seasonal affective disorder shortened to sad and i think sad is a great way of describing it because that's literally anyone we've interviewed over the years who suffered from seasonal affective disorder they all you know when you ask them how do they feel they feel sad they just feel their mood goes very goes really really down when the winter months appear and you know as soon as we get back into spring they can feel their mood lightening again and that feeling of sadness gets lifted from them so we're go- we were we we started this discussion last week with joe and we're continuing it today and in particular we're going to look at treatments and ways if you know if you're identifying with what we were talking about last week and if you can say yeah that's exactly me i always know my mood goes down at uh, sort of the end of autumn as we head into the winter months uh, then hopefully we'll be able to give you some tips to help you to lift your mo- mood for this particular uh, winter now the main story coming out from the newspapers today that we're looking for your thoughts and comments are is a front page story that's making the Irish Examiner newspaper and it's a story and quotes coming from Regina Doherty Regina Doherty is the social protection minister and she admitted yesterday that she does not at this stage have the money for the Christmas bonus she needs 257 million euro in order to give out the Christmas uh, bonus now the budget priorities obviously are all being addressed at the moment. They're putting together, you know, the final draft for budget which we'll, we'll hear about next month in October and this is for budget uh, 2019 and she's going into the Octus Committee meeting today to say, look, you know, she's trying to get everything together for her particular uh, department and she's saying, I have not secured the money that will cover the uh, Christmas bonus. Now she is saying to the government like, uh, uh, as far as the Christmas bonus goes, it has been paid out for the last four years. There was a couple of years and a moment to question, was it it two or more years where it wasn't paid out? I mean, during the financial downturn, government simply didn't have the money. You know, um, I mean during the downturn, people who lived on social welfare payments saw cuts to their weekly social welfare payments so there there was no hope in hell that the Christmas bonus was going to be paid out and then when things started to get a bit better they started to pay out the Christmas bonus again and they gave it out in dribs and drabs and we've gotten up to last year I think it was 85% of the weekly payment was paid up away of a Christmas uh, bonus and then over a million people received it last year, social welfare recipients it's not just pensioners, people with disabilities get it, carers get it, lone parents get it anyone's on long term uh, unemployment and last year it cost 218 million euro to pay out the Christmas bonus, and this year the minister says she needs 257 million uh, euro. Now she's saying she's hopeful, but she's just floating it there at the moment to say I'm hopeful of paying us but I just want to put it out there. I don't have the money. The money hasn't been uh, secured uh, yet. Now what we do know is going to happen and, and no doubt it will be part of the, of this year's budget because the announcement was made earlier in the year. Something we've been campaigning on on this programme and that was to help pensioners who were affected by the changes in 2012 to the rates in which Pensions were paid out, and they've. It was how the pension was recalculated, and now we know it was announced uh, earlier this year that they are allowing up to twenty years for what they're calling a new home caring caring credit because it was affecting in the main women who left work to raise families or left work to look after elderly parents they then got affected when they hit 66 went to get their pension only to realize sorry you don't have enough contributions because you took this time out to do very important work can i say very important work in the main being rearing their uh, children and we certainly had a lot of pensioners who were affected by those changes in 2012. So now that's going to be uh, reversed, thank God. And it kicks in from the first payments will be made in the first quarter of next year and they'll be backdated to March of this year. So obviously money has to be found for that. So that could be one of the reasons that Regina Doherty, Doherty is saying any spare money I have is going into correcting a wrong and let's let's call a spade a spade. It was a wrong what was done uh, to pensioners with those changes in, in 2012. And when we were campaigning and talking about it on this programme, I kept emphasising uh, to people who were at work at the moment saying, you know, there's no point sitting in your ivory tower saying Oh, this doesn't affect me. It affects so many people, but you will only know the effect when you turn 66 yourself. And you go to get your pension. So it was a campaign for future generations of pensioners as well. But anyway, that right has been wronged. But money has to be found for that to correct that. So that's going to happen in the first quarter. Regina Regina Doherty is also saying... Her desire is to prioritise the needs of loan parents. She also wants to increase payments such as pensions, increase payments to carers and to increase disability payments. And she wants to do that in line with inflation. So if she's doing that in line with inflation. I don't think the increases are going to be any more than probably five euro at the upper end I imagine is, is what it's going to be but she wants to prioritise um, among other things loan parents. Uh, and obviously then if she's looking at trying to balance her books she still has to find this 257 million euro if she wants to pay out the Christmas bonus by the way that the social welfare budget for the full year is over 20 billion it's a huge huge amount of money it's actually 36% of the gross government expenditure goes on social welfare. Will she have enough to pay her Christmas bonuses? She's saying at this stage she simply doesn't know but she's keeping her fingers crossed and she is uh, hopeful. Um, Burr in Cork says, Trish on social welfare issue: the government will always find money for royal visitors and Pope's visits yet they never seem to be able to find money for the less well off for housing or for the homeless, says Burr. And someone else says, Patricia, on social welfare and the very no. The that some people might not get their Christmas uh, bonus by saying no money. Well, I think that the Social Welfare Minister should take the £7 that the government are giving to third world countries. I heard it on the news over the weekend. So the people have to suffer so the government can give money to foreigners and those in third world countries. It is unbelievable. Uh, People really disgusted about the notion and idea that the Christmas bonus might not be paid out more in new markets said already been talking with some of her friends uh, this morning Uh, they're actually feeling down about reports that the Christmas bonus may not be paid out so many people rely on this it will be very very unfair says uh, Maura, if it wasn't paid out. And John and Carrie Galine says, Patricia, maybe the JP McManus fund could pay the Christmas bonus uh, this year after his very, very generous donation to every single GAA county board yesterday, all getting 100000 uh, each, £3.2 million euro to be distributed around the country in celebration of Limerick winning the All Ireland God Limerick should win uh, more often, and uh, somebody has pointed out it 's easy for J P McManus to do it Patricia did you see how much he 's worth? The businessman is estimated to be worth one point fifteen billion is what he 's worth is and his, his personal wealth for last year alone went up by 80 million. Crazy isn't it but he's a very generous man let's not take from that he's a very generous man. Okay a very quick break and we're back previewing the Liam Miller tribute match
1: Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run so your loved one will feel at home See breedhaven.ie C103. Patricia Messenger on C103 uh-huh. Nominated for Speech Broadcaster of the Year at the 2018 Imro Radio Awards,
3: and just by the way, a quick reminder to you that the N71—that's the road between Kenmare and Glengariff—will uh, be closed between the hours of 7 p.m. and 7 a.m. It started last night runs through until the 1st of October inclusive and of course it's for the emergency works on the Cora uh, the Caha the Tunnel and a diversion route will be in place so it is 7pm to 7am on the Khmer to uh, Glengareff Road just a reminder to you of that. Now according to local soccer historian Plunkett Carter today's Liam Miller tribute match is set to comfortably exceed the existing record for the biggest ever attendance at a soccer match in Cork with 45,000 spectators expected to attend this is more than a sporting story it's also a Cork story commenting on the match for Virgin Media is Trevor Welch who presents the score on our sister station 96FM and uh, Trevor joins me. Good morning to you Trevor Good, good morning Trevor Good morning Yeah, you? I'm very well, you're welcome to the programme I'm right in saying that this is a Cork story isn't it this is a huge occasion for the city and county
2: it is a massive story. I mean, like, who would have thought, uh, Trish, that on a, a September afternoon in 2018 that, uh, you know, some of the, the greatest footballers to ever play the game would uh, arrive in Cork, uh, Park of Cies, uh, for a sell-out uh, football match. I mean, it's, uh, it's a bit surreal. I'm standing actually outside of the, uh, the park here now, uh, ready to go in and get myself settled in for the day. But, um, you know, it's uh, been the most talked about it, so sporting events throughout the summer uh, because of, uh, you know, the shenanigans going on. With, would, would it be played in Park Creve or will it be played in Turner's Cross? But uh, we, we, we now know, of course, that it's in Park Creve. It's fantastic, 45,000 people, and uh, it's going to be live on television as well. So it's going to have a huge reach, this game, and the eyes of the world will be on Cork because it'll go out as well, especially on MUTV, who will put the game out globally. So it's going to have a massive reach, and all, all the eyes of the world will be on Cork today.
3: And I remember when the discussions and the arguments were going on about whether it should be staged at Porky Cueve and would it be staged at Porky Cueve, some were cynically saying, Ash, if they play at a Porky Cueve, they'll never fill it. Did you ever have any doubts in your mind whether that this would be a sell-out?
2: I have to say, it's like I, I never had a doubt because, you know, um, this is a far, uh, far reach, uh, just as, not alone in Cork, but obviously from Munster, a lot of people be coming from like the Limerick and Waterford and, and Terry and Clare and so on. I think even up up and down the country, people the be United nuts, you know, and they'd want to see, in the flesh, people never saw Ryan Giggs in the flesh, Rio Ferdinand, and Paul Scholes. I mean, th- these are players that have won everything in the game. Ryan Giggs, like, um, played with United for 19 years, one club man, 13 titles he won. It's a record. Um, you know, then the local lads that they heard so much about, like Roy Keane, is iconic in football, you know, our own Dennis Erman from Toker. You know, a chance to see them, The parents would say, I have to get down there and bring the kids and uh, one off match, the once in a lifetime chance. And, uh, you know, so in that respect, I uh, never doubted the Woodfield party. Crazy.
3: And all of those great players that you've mentioned, Trevor, by all accounts, when they were approached and this idea was floated, that there would be this soccer match at the end of September in Cork, would you be available to fly over for it? Seemingly, there was no problem at all with people signing up for it.
2: 100%. I mean, you, you, you must think as well. Uh, Alex Ferguson was uh, involved in the initial stages with Michael Finn having meetings, um, and he was all for it, and he was going to push the United side of it. He was going to manage Man United, but he fell ill, unfortunately. So he handed reins over to Roy to, uh, to manage the team, and uh, with Roy's connections, of course, and uh, the respect that players would would have for Roy team uh, as, as probably the greatest leader to ever uh, play for Manchester United, greatest, probably the greatest captain to ever play for Manchester United the biggest club in the world, you know. And uh, I think with the respect they have for Roy was a huge plus. obviously. And uh, Martin Neal, with his connection, having managed Celtic, and uh, now the Republic of Ireland manager. So they're the right people in the right place. And, uh, you know, I think, um, you know, people want to come and, and pay their respects uh, to Liam Miller, who's a fantastic footballer, a uh, quiet man, kind of a, a humble man, but a great football man for it. And, uh, you know, I think everyone, uh, it was clear to see that people come from all corners of the world for his funeral, had uh, nothing but great respect uh, for Liam Miller and uh, they've come today to honour him in uh, the banks banks of the league.
3: Remind us what Liam Miller achieved in in what was, sadly, a short career.
2: Yeah, well, I suppose what he achieved mostly is that, you know, any schoolboy growing up and playing football along the streets, out in the streets, would would only dream of playing for Manchester United. He supported United as a schoolboy and he got to play for United. He got to play for Celtic, he got to play for the Republic of Ireland. He won um, the European Championships under 16, uh, which is history in the making, because Ireland had never won anything um, in, in in terms of major honours, and uh, as part of all that, then he came home to play with his home town club, Cork City, I mean, for a lot of footballers, playing for Cork City would be huge, uh, but uh, he, he played for the biggest club in the world, United, you know, even though he only played around 9 or 10 times, but he got to play United, United, uh, played at Old Trafford, living his dream, and, uh, you know, that's, that's that's something special, you know.
3: Yeah, yeah, something special is, is a word that you, you keep hearing uh, when people talk about uh, Lee Miller, and, and as you say, a, a very quiet, unassuming man.
2: Yeah, um, I interviewed him once or twice down the years. I mean, uh, I just walked to TV3 uh, when we um, covered the Champions League game when he made his debut, actually. I was commentating on that match, and uh, he scored in the game as well. And Alex Ferguson um, was actually behind us in the commentary box and knew he was coming. be tipped off that he was coming to see Lee Miller. And, uh, Lee Miller was outstanding on the same night. So, uh, I think Ferguson left for about 10 minutes ago. He'd seen enough. Miller was for him. And, um, you yeah, know, he, he fired him soon after. And I know, like, that they had so much time for him. I was in a taxi on the home and the taxi driver had my Cork accent and he said, where are you from? And I said, Cork. And he says, oh, Liam Miller. <sighs> uh, and they they just so much time for him. And I said, this, this man has huge potential. But he was very technical footballer, Trish. Technical in the sense that, you know, he could use both feet. He could turn you on both sides, left or right. Um, and I uh, never seemed to be in trouble on the pitch he always had a way out small in stature but I tell you he could fight and that came out you know, uh, after his death but there's stories being told and one of them was that his mother uh, Bridie was looking out the window one day when he was a kid and he was playing with bigger fellas physical fellas older than him uh, but he, he was uh, the star of the show but uh, Brady had said you know, to her husband Billy um, I'm afraid Liam will get hurt so it was a very big and Billy turned around and says, No, Liam will be okay. He's my little family matches. <laughs> you know, but he, he could he could look after himself, Liam, you know. Yeah. There's, there's great footage Frish, as well, which will be shown on, on Virgin Media today, um of Liam when he played on a party creep age for ten or eleven in a school final. He was man of the match and he went up to lift the cup as well. So you'll see that footage today it's you know, it's emotional. Um, you know,
4: but, Yeah, uh,
3: and actually emotional is is a good word because let's I mean, let's not forget Liam only lost his very brave battle with cancer just in February of this year. I mean, it isn't even a year since his family uh, lost him. I mean, his wife, Claire and the three children, who are obviously going to be there today. Very emotional day for them and the rest of the Miller family.
2: It uh, will be. Uh, you know, he, he passed away four days shy, of his 37th birthday. Massive loss wow. uh, to his three kids and his wife and his family. And, um, you know, it's... Um, I think I think Greenville will be will be proud today, you know, um, for, for this match and his memory in Cork. As you rightly said, it will be the biggest attendance for St. ever in the history of, uh, of this great sports city and county. And um, you know, I, I, I think it's going to be a, a fitting tribute. And it'll um, be really emotional day for the family, but um, you know, it, 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 it's a great day for for football. I was going to say, you know, it's a it's a football day, it's a family day, and it's a the
3: end of the day, you know? Okay. Um I'll let you go because I know you're you're trying to get into Porky Creep to get organised. What time does the broadcast start?
2: Two o'clock on air.
3: Two on o'clock. Verge,
2: yeah, on Virgin Media Three and, and on Virgin Media Four. Virgin Media Three is the um is the old T V three that so we're saying. The extended highlights tonight for ten o'clock on Virgin Media One, so everybody will get to see it. Okay. and uh, stomachache.
3: OK, we look forward to listening to your commentary, Trevor. Good luck with it and uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, that is uh, Trevor Walsh of uh, Virgin Media 3. And just to, because we're getting calls in from people who are getting a bit confused uh, about all of this, it's on Virgin Media Sport, but it's also on Virgin Media 3. Virgin Media 3 is free to air between 2 and 6pm. And Virgin Media 3 used to be the BE3 channel from the TV3 group it previously was UTV Ireland so Virgin 3 is free to air channel and is available on all platforms including uh, Sareview so it is free because we've had already people calling in uh, thinking it's a a subscription channel which it is not there's going to be highlights uh, later this evening on Virgin Media 1 which used to be the old uh, TV3 now Darren McGann well known singer from Cove uh, joins me because he's also uh, involved in today's Lee Miller tribute match Good morning to Dara Good morning Patricia And you you are welcome You have the absolute great honour of performing the National uh, Anthem and it was because of your own initiative that you've been selected to do it Tell me what happened
5: Well you see I was conscious that I had performed the National Anthem in Crow Park in 2014 and things were really on the up then I got the setback with health but no, no matter about that When I I heard the Liam Miller testimonial was coming on, I was a huge fan of Liam Miller. I'm a huge fan of the Republic of Ireland. I've been to the Aviva. I just wanted to reach out myself, and I contacted Mike Loughlin, the chairperson, and I said, look, I have done the anthem before, and it would mean a great deal to be there as part of the day to celebrate the life of Liam Miller, to be there as a support for his family and his friends, and just be part of the occasion. And I was just blown away when they came back and said, look, the committee have met, and We'd love to have you to perform the anthem.
3: Have you performed it in Parky before?
5: Never. No? no. I, I did perform in Parke Cueve last July as part of RT Saturday Sport for the, the first two All-Ireland Hurling quarterfinals that took place. I opened Saturday Sport with the banks of my own lovely Lee, but I've never actually performed on the pitch. And I was there last night for a sound check. Um, just to give your listeners an idea, this is the first time ever in history that the pitch of Parky Cueve has been lined out for a soccer match.
3: It looks, I, I, I don't know, I know John Paul showed me a photograph and I'm, I'm assuming he's put it up on our social media uh, sites. It's incredible, isn't it, as, as a soccer pitch?
5: It really is. And you know, even last night there was only a few of us there. Liam O'Connor, the box player from Killarney, was up. From Newmarket? Yeah, well, originally from Newmarket, of course.
3: <laughs> Listen, we? we claim him. Do not, do not give him to Kerry. He's our own. Go on, anywhere. absolutely.
5: <laughs> but no, just to be there last evening, and with the staff that were around, you could sense the anticipation, the excitement. They were getting the big screen up. They were getting everything right. Everybody is giving a hundred and ten percent to make sure that today will be a memorable day. First and foremost, in the memory of Liam Miller and for his family. But it's a look. It's a whole Cork celebration as well.
3: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it's a great opportunity for the GAA to show off the wonderful stadium that now is Porky Creef.
5: It really is. And I spoke recently to MEP for Ireland South, Sean Kelly, former uh, uh, president of Cumlucas Gwail, and he was doing a bit of work in the background. And he said, look, yeah, Crow Park was huge when Ireland played England in the rugby and the two anthems were sounded, but he feels that this will be even more emotional in Cork given the significance of the event, of what it's about, but also the first time ever that a soccer match will be played on the turf of Park Equiv where the likes of Christy Ring would have graced in the past. Mm.
3: Yeah, and, and in, um, as you, you, I know you were on hold when I was talking with Trevor, uh, it is going to be a very emotional day. I mean, I'm very conscious of, of the Miller family and how emotional it will be for all of them.
5: Uh, very much so. Look, I mean, Liam passed away in February, so it's still very raw for them, but I'm sure they'll get great healing and great comfort when they see so many people from different uh, worlds of sport gathering today under one roof for one reason, to remember their own loved Liam Miller. And to be a part of that is an honour and a privilege.
3: How did your sound check go yesterday?
5: Went really well. Um, I was up with the Barrick Street Band last Friday night and I got to say, my goodness, they are just incredible. And they were so welcoming, and we went through the anthem. We had two run-throughs, and they said, Dara, that's fine. So, look, it's going to be really special. The fact that President Michael D. Higgins is going to be there as well, it'll put a real international feel on it, but a real homely feel as well. And I I just can't wait. I'm excited. I'm a bit nervous. I, I think back to when I first performed the anthem with Caro Sullivan, who was my mentor for uh, the Dublin pa- St. Patrick's Day Parade many years ago. And I remember she came to me beforehand and she said what are you worried about I said the words no Dara get up and do it so I'm ready to go
3: you'll be you'll be fantastic and and I think we're all going to be so proud of you and I think there's something very special that it is one of our own is is singing cuz you know I mentioned it in my introduction piece with uh, Trevor but well, this is you know a a sports story this this is also a cork story
5: Well it, it is and um, when when you were talking to Trevor um, I'm reminded of the fact it'll be emotional for him because I had the honour of singing for his father's funeral a number of years ago. And I would have soldiered with Trevor years ago when Cove Ramblers were really up on the heights. I was their match announcer. He used to be covering it. And, you know, it, look, it's going to be emotional for everybody. Yeah. But it'll be a great day for Cork and a great day for Ireland.
3: It will. It will, it will indeed. OK, listen, enjoy it because the, you've got to enjoy it as well as you say I know you're going to be nervous but no better man uh, to do it we certainly will be all very proud, proud of you and I can't let you go without asking the album what's happening with your album
5: I'm delighted to say the album will be out in advance of Christmas
3: will it will you come join us in the studio and have a chat with us about it when I it's would out? be
5: delighted Patricia, uh, well, I really
3: would well we look forward to that uh, Dara pleasure as always thank you for that listen thanks for
5: all your and, support uh, really appreciate it
3: thanks for joining us bye bye the wonderful Dara McCann uh, keep a lookout for him if you're going to the match afternoon. He'll be singing the National Anthem and if, uh, like myself, you'll be watching it at home on TV on Virgin Media Sport or on Virgin Media 3 from 2 o'clock uh, this afternoon, the wonderful uh, Darren McGann. 1850 uh, 333103. We're going to take a break and we are back with advice if you are travelling to the match from the Shea Corner about the traffic plan that's in place.
1: Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run so your loved one will feel at home. See Breedhaven.ie C103 Hi, I'm Simon Murdoch. Join me for the all-new Cork's More Music Breakfast on C103. I'll bring you all you need to know every morning and plenty of Cork's greatest hits. Turn on C103 and wake up with me. The all-new Cork's More Music Breakfast starts Monday, only on C103.
3: A full traffic management plan is in place for the Lee Miller tribute match today and Sergeant Peter Murphy is the at the communication centre for Anglesey Street Guard the station? And Peter joins me. Good morning to you, Peter. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and, and you're you're welcome. I take it the best piece of advice to people attending is to use public transport
6: absolutely and uh, i think this type of occasion because we've never before had anything like this um, in cork before and certainly with such a such interest it's it's a unique event so it's going to bring people from far and wide um so you know a lot of people local people will probably be more used to the the traffic management systems that we use here but people that might be travelling from further afield uh, no harm for them just to take note um probably the biggest issue that people will encounter is that there is no parking down here at Park Creve or on any of the approaches to it. And um, using public transport certainly is going to be an advantage for anybody. Walking to the venue, if at all possible, is ideal because that could get you there faster and particularly at the end when, when the match is over, getting back back into the city or back to your car or whatever, um, it, it's going to be the fastest way. The sun is actually starting to come out here right. in, Par- in, Par- in Parky Cree at the moment. So it, it looks like the, the weather is going to be favourable. That will help people. Now, there will be shuttle buses in operation from the city centre. They'll be leaving from two locations, actually. Uh, the main one is Laps Key, and that, will, that service will commence at 12 midday, and the buses will depart at intervals of 10 minutes. And they'll drop people just uh, maybe... 300 meters from the from the stadium here so that's an ideal uh, And route.
3: and specifically for people who you know mobility issues not able to do a, a long enough walk but I mean if you're able to walk as walkers is the advice but the shuttle buses are there for people who who just that walk might be a little bit too much for them
6: they are, and a lot of people travelling from the county and from other parts of the country will be doing so by train. When they arrive at uh, Kent Railway Station, there will be shuttle buses uh, leaving from the, uh, the railway station there as well that will bring them directly down here. So that they have two options there.
3: All right, so just to emphasise that again, because we thought that that shuttle bus had been cancelled, that is definitely going ahead. Kent Street Station, shuttle bus operated by Bus Air, and, and we were initially told starts from 12 midday.
6: Yeah. I can confirm that the buses, the shuttle buses, is. will be running from the, the railway okay, station. Okay, because I know there's and, a l-
3: there certainly is a lot of people from the North Cork area who are jumping on the train into Kent Station. So, if you need to get the shuttle bus, the shuttle bus will be outside uh, the door. Where are you suggesting people park their cars?
6: Um, okay, you've got the the park and ride at Black Ash is, is open today because today is a normal working day, and uh, that's one option for people. You've got over at Mahon Point. Where the ice rink is usually held at Christmas time. There's parking there for approximately 400 cars. That will open at 12 o'clock. Also the Park Camogie grounds in Mahan. That's opening at 12 o'clock. And you have Blackrock Hurling Club on Church Road. That has significant capacity there for parking as well. Plus all of the, all of the usual, um, car parks in the city centre, the multi-storey and the other car parks, they're all open as well so people should consider that um, as an option and then factor in that they'd either walk down to the venue or that they would take a shuttle bus
3: Okay, the crowds at today's match Peter are going to be very similar to what turned out for each of the three Ed Sheeran uh, concerts and we know how well your traffic management plan operated for those three concerts but is the added dimension that this is a working day does that throw, throw extra traffic into the mix?
6: Oh, it, it definitely does, and you're quite right. You probably have a similar similar type of crowd and similar movement of people as it's cheer in concerts. But it being a working day, and um, a lot of people won't have anything to do with this event here today, and they're just going about their daily lives. Certainly, they will be impacted, and um, the the goal is, and I suppose part of the traffic management plan is to keep the impact uh, to a minimum. So that if we do have delays or road closures or stoppages, that we keep them to a minimum. But ultimately, you're talking about public safety. We'll have a capacity crowd down here in Parkley Creeve today. The vast majority of those people will be walking back to the city at the end of the match. And that, that will bring them, I suppose, uh, up to the city centre roughly around uh, rush hour time, which is uh, that that will be the very busiest point. So public safety is a, is a huge concern, and, and we're going to have to factor that in
3: okay and then other things that you just want to let people know about for example there's no cash points in at Porky Creef there's no bank link in Porky Creef no
6: there's not uh, so people people might want to just top up on that if they, if they want to use the facilities here like the the, the shops and, and, and any of the food and merchandise things like that um, in addition to that I'd advise people don't be bringing valuables with them things that they don't want to lose you know because they, with, with this many people moving around and a, a lot of uh, bringing valuables in your car, wherever you're going to be parking your car and leaving valuables in it. People should have I suppose their mobile phones charged up. If you're coming with young people and I think, I suspect there'll be a lot of people
3: A lot of it. families attending. Yes.
6: yeah. Again, have a meeting point picked out, you know, someplace that if you do get separated, you can meet up after the match, whatever the case may be. And also that you'd have some power left in your mobile phones. Uh, I think everybody here today is going to be taking photos and, and streaming videos and whatnot because
3: I think that meeting point is is a great idea because I was at one of the Ed Sheeran concerts and there was a group of us and we all had our mobile phones and not one of our mobile phones worked. And it was because of the volume of people trying to use the networks. And I'm assuming it's going to be something similar today. So don't be relying on your mobile phone when you're inside in Porky Creek thinking, oh, I'll be able to contact somebody if I get lost. Your mobile phone may not be working at that moment in time. So I think a meeting point is certainly uh, a terrific idea. And then the other piece of advice, are you telling people to get there early and just sample the atmosphere and don't be rushing?
6: I think that that's that's one of the key points is to to get down here early, there's entertainment and advance of it, and to enjoy the atmosphere as well. And you know, I'm presuming that there'll be various uh, well-known people and celebrities and different people turning up uh, as well during the build-up to to the match and things. So, and um, just to savor the atmosphere because once once the match itself starts, uh, you know, I suppose that's when time will just boy, and before yeah. we know it we're up, to, we're up to the end of it. Uh, we'd ask people to enjoy themselves. It's a really big occasion for Cork and from the point of view of safety and travel and things, just a little bit of planning and a little bit of foresight and also to take your time at the end. Uh, everyone's going to be trying to rush out uh, at, perhaps at the end of the match and things but just to take your time and again particularly if you have younger people with you.
3: Okay, enjoy the day. That's what it's all about. Uh, Peter, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thanks, Patricia. Good morning Bye. to you. That is Sergeant Peter Murphy, who is Communications Centre at Anglesey Street, the Station, 1850, 333 103. Uh, in the next hour, we are going to be discussing the work of Parentline, also remembering Ireland 100 years ago at the end of the First World War. That and more to come. And I can see a lot of texts and comments that have been coming in in the last hour. We'll catch up with all of those. Mary by WhatsApp says, Patricia, I heard you earlier play the ad for Supervalue slash Tidy Towns. And I'm wondering if the last voice on that ad is Eiley Buckley, the Mill Street uh, local news reporter um, that I hear I was hearing on your station, and now you can hear it online. I'm just curious. Kind regards, Mary. Yes, it is. Absolutely. It's our own Eiley Buckley. And if you watch the Supervalue ad, uh, the Supervalue Tidy Towns ad on TV, you'll see our own Eiley Buckley because the radio ad is a direct lift, lift from the TV ad. I think she's sitting in a bus and she's talking about uh, community and she actually as far as I know uh, she was contacted by Supervalue whom when they were making the ad following her appearance on the Daniel and Magella B&B Roadshow. Remember our own Eileen was on that. She was absolutely terrific uh, on it and they asked her to, they brought her up to, it was brought up to Dublin was where they filmed it and yes, yeah, so it is her so well, so you, yes and you can clearly hear her voice. You would know it's our own uh, so well spotted Barry and thank you for your uh, WhatsApp. We were talking about the Liam Miller tribute match in the last hour. Mossy in West Cork says Patricia one of the real positives of the match being switched from Turner's Cross to Porky Creeve is that Mary Mount Hospice who do absolutely fantastic work will receive seven times more revenue from the match than they would have got if it was the Turners Cross because obviously there was less people uh, could have bought tickets to Turners Cross. So yeah, I mean obviously the the majority of the money is going and rightly so uh, to the Miller family, but um Marymount Hospice will also be getting money out of the match today, which is uh, certainly very good and very welcome to news. So thank you for pointing that out to us, uh, Mossy. Now also coming in to us, oh, tied in with that, tied in with the Lee Miller match is. J.P. McManus and J.P. McManus's donation of £3.2 million to the county boards uh, yesterday. Catherine Manway is tying the two in together. and said yesterday we had J.P. McManus handing over that very generous donation to the GAA and it is to go to each of the county boards right across uh, Ireland. But is this not the very same GAA who held out to the very last minute to make Porky Queef available for the Lee Miller tribute match today? Is anybody speaking about that JP McManus gives money, yet the GAA can leave things to the last minute. And at the end of the day, uh, what we're talking about is a charity match. Uh, okay, and someone else wants to b- pick up actually on the Lee Miller match. No, on the JP McManus, sorry, not on the Lee Miller, on, on the JP McManus donation. This is an interesting text, and I would I welcome listeners' thoughts and comments uh, on uh, this. Am I the only person, says this texter, who thinks it's a disgrace? that J.P. McManus donated £3.2 to the GAA just because his county of Limerick won the All-Ireland. Will he do this every time they win? Or is this to influence counties? J.P. McManus does not own Limerick GAA. At the end of the day, the GAA is an amateur sport. It is not soccer. He could have donated the money to charity. I think it's appalling when there are so many people out there who could do with this money. I think it's just showing off. And why do it the day before a fundraiser in Porky Creeve Bet there isn't one county who will donate this money to charity. So we'll open up the phone lines on how people felt about the news yesterday. Now, obviously, people involved in GAA and the GAA boards were thrilled to hear that every one of the 32 GAA boards dotted around the country, they reached to get 100,000. Now, it's been seen as a a grand gesture on behalf of J.P. McManus. Now, I have to say, and I I would know of this personally, that J.P. McManus does give an awful lot of money to charity. I mean, the J.P. McManus, the pro-am, raises literally uh, millions of euro uh, every, is it every three or four years when it's held, and all that money goes to charity. So the man is very charitable. He does a lot of uh, charity work. That this gesture to the GAA uh, is absolutely a very grand gesture and according to a spokesperson for the GAA it's been described as unprecedented and an incredible gesture from what i can gather he has been very generous to the to the GAA in limerick but this is a donation to all of the GAA clubs around the country because the one thing he has he has stated in it while he's giving the hundred thousand to each of the county boards the money is to be invested in the development of the game and to improve facilities and the money is to be divvied up right across the county I would be very interested to see how the money gets divided up and will we ever get to hear where the money actually uh, goes I mean if you think I mean I'm I'm not in any way poo-hooing the, uh, for Cork County Board. I mean, no doubt they're thrilled with 100,000. But when you look at the size of Cork County... And you divide that money up, you know, compared to some of the smaller counties, the hundred thousand will go much further in some of the smaller counties than it will in a larger county like ours. But it's certainly it's been seen as a very generous donation. But somebody is thinks it's a disgrace, and somebody else that I saw, and this what made there was a lot on social media last night about this. And I was I was chatting to somebody yesterday who made the very same point to me to me saying, "Is it easy for him? He can write it off in tax. Uh, You know, it's easy for when you're that wealthy to be able to make very." generous donations and uh, make very grand gestures like this when you're worth the amount of money you are worth it as we mentioned somebody else pointed that out to us he's worth 1.15 billion but on the other side are we a nation of begrudgers? instead of saying well done to JP McManus he didn't have to give the 3.2 million to the GAA but he got so excited because his home county and he was very excited about the, the win I saw him on the day uh, at the match, I mean, there was nobody more excited. He was a very proud Lim McMahon. And to celebrate their win, he's given this money to, to charity. Are people just being begrudgers by saying it's a disgrace that he gave this money and he should have given it to charity instead? Your thoughts welcomed on that, uh, please. 1850 And the other issue that really is getting people very, very annoyed today is the very suggestion that the Christmas bonus has not been secured yet by the Minister for Social Protection, Regina Doherty. She's in today with her budget priorities to the Oireachtas meeting and she, in advance of that meeting, she said, I have not secured the required money needed. £257 is the amount needed for the Christmas bonus and she said she hasn't secured it yet. Nora in Bandon was on uh, to say the TDs need to do something about this. Nora herself is trying to do something. She said, I rang uh, Margaret, Deputy Margaret Murphy O'Mahony's office this morning in Bandon to say, telling Margaret Murphy O'Mahony she needs to do something about it. Nora also rang the leader of Fianna Fáil, Micheál Martin, and somebody in Mihal Martin's office told Nora in Bandon that they would have got no Christmas bonus last year, only for Fianna Fáil, who are propping up the Fianna Gael government with the Supply and Confidence Arrangement and somebody in the office says that it was Fina Fall who fought for the Christmas bonus last year. Nora says, I feel us that have to live on social welfare and in particular old age pensioners have no one to speak up for us. We can't get a loan from a bank if we need money to do something, change a car, etc. So, how are we expected to survive? We rely on our uh, Christmas bonus. Richard is in Mallow. He's oh, contacted. Contacted us. Good morning to you, Richard. Good morning, Patricia. Your, your reaction to this news that the Christmas bonus hasn't been secured for this year?
4: Well, it's a bit of a joke, like, because at the same time,
2: there's people going to be struggling there now to be, you know, buy Christmas food, buy the presents for the kids. It's just going to be tight this year if there is no Christmas bonus.
3: Do you rely on a Christmas bonus?
2: I rely on the Christmas bonus myself, I do because it it's a way of buying presents for my grandkids and everything else, but like if it doesn't come true this year there's not like Christmas is not going to be the same for the kids as it was last year.
3: And that's what a lot of people do with the Christmas bonus. It literally is used for Christmas. Yeah. Okay, well we'll wait. We'll wait and see. I mean, she's she's in there fighting. My gut instinct tells me it, it, they, they will secure the money, but at the moment, uh, it still is all up in the air. Okay, thank you for that, Richard. And right, uh, right, th- th- thanks uh, for joining right. us. Okay, some more of your comments on this. And says hi, Patricia. If the government is left to get away without paying a Christmas bonus this year, mark my words, says, um, they will not pay it next year either. It is vitally important that the Christmas bonus is secured. For this year, Sean has a different view. Sean says the most of them drink the Christmas bonus what do you and me get, says Sean, and I'm assuming what he means by what do you and me get, what do workers get because Christmas bonus is paid out to people uh, on social welfare, which includes old age pensioners, lone parents carers, people on disability and people on long term unemployed I suppose, Sean, the argument could be used to what do workers get, because uh, that they have the opportunity, they might be in a company that pays out a Christmas bonus not every company pay out a Christmas bonus but I suppose the other argument is if you're at Work, you have the opportunity maybe overtime to earn extra money. Where if you're living on social welfare, that's the only, as Richard was explaining there, that's the only form of income a person has. They have no opportunity to earn, like an old age pensioner, somebody on um, um, long term unemployment, somebody on disability, uh, carers allowance. They don't have the opportunity to go out and earn extra money. So the only bit of extra money that they can depend on to make Christmas you know, to buy luxuries or to buy presents or whatever it is, they rely on the Christmas bonus. So I suppose that's what the argument uh, there would be. Another, thank you for your text, John. Another interesting point saying, why is Regina Doherty saying that this year, that she doesn't, she hasn't secured the funding? The unemployment rate has continued to fall all year. So if anything, there should be a surplus in her finance. Otherwise, She's not doing very good bookkeeping. And it's interesting that you make that point because Regina Doherty yesterday, when she was flagging this point that the required money hasn't been set aside as of yet, she did say that the live register has continued to climb at an extraordinary rate. So your point is right. If the live register has fallen at an extraordinary rate then why? Surely she does have. She has extra money uh, in the coffers. Uh, she, needs, she certainly needs to be uh, questioned on that. That is for sure. Thank you for that uh, point. And Marie says, what about the short, talking about the shortage of government money for the Christmas bonus for old age pensioners? She didn't apple pay all the tax money back that they owed to this country. Wasn't that quite a few billion? I tell you, if they don't put their hands in the coffers and give a few extra bob to the people that made this country, then the country should simply revolt, says Marie. And Marie is right. Apple have paid, when you say a few billion, it's actually 13.1 billion is what the EU Commission ruled that Apple had the Apple had received unfair tax incentives in Ireland and they reckoned thirteen point one billion was what the EU said that Apple owed. Now Apple have paid the money. It's been fully deposited into an escrow account set up by the government. They've paid the thirteen point one billion plus they've paid interest of 1200000000 billion they've been paying it in installments across the year quietly and then it was last week it got announced that all the money has now been uh, paid back but of course the Irish government wants absolutely nothing to do with this because they're saying nothing to do with us we did not give them any special deals. Uh, It's funny isn't it that the government because both Apple and the Irish government are appealing the original ruling by the EU uh, saying that the iPhone maker's tax treatment was in line with Irish and European Union law. The EU were saying different and Ireland don't want the money. But anyway, it's sitting in in an escrow account at the moment. And Pascal Donoghue, the finance minister, said that the investment managers would make low-risk investment decisions. Oh dear God, make sure they're low risk. Don't lose any of this money. Because told you know it's got to go back to Apple. Uh, He also says low-risk investment decisions will be made and the Irish taxpayer would be protected from any losses. That just puts the fear of God in me.
0: I see 103 jobs
3: store manager and an assistant store manager and shop assistants are all required for a new supermarket which is coming shortly to Cork city. Home Instead Senior Care they're recruiting caregivers for Bandon, Bishopstown, Blackrock, Wilton and the city centre areas and Denny staff are wanted for a large supermarket in the in Cork city centre under a well-known brand name and Caremark Cork are hiring qualified and experienced carers for older people and people with physical and intellectual disabilities you'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more this is C103
4: Cork
1: today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow, it's family run so your loved one will feel at home see Breedhaven.ie
3: C103 and on the JP McManus very generous donation of 3.2 million to be done. Divided by the 32 county boards, €100,000 to each GAA county board. And J.P. McMahon is doing it to celebrate uh, his beloved County of Limerick's All-Ireland Hurling win this year. Tony, who is originally from Dublin, now he is fessing up and saying he is a dub, living in Cork. says, absolutely great that J.P. McManus is giving this money to the GAA. But, says Tony, surely he should give more money to the Dublin County Board than the rest of the country. After all, Dublin is the capital and has a much bigger population and more GAA success and he feels that Dublin County Board should get a bigger slice of the pie. All I'll say to you, Tony, is good luck with that. Fran is in Ardpatrick. Good morning to you, Fran. Uh, Hi, Patricia. Uh, Fran, you're a bit annoyed at some of the criticism that uh, J.P. McManus has been receiving. You're saying to people, get over themselves.
7: Absolutely, because I just think that it's a wonderful gesture from a man who loves his sport, who absolutely is so proud of his county. But looking at the bigger picture, we are an, an, a nation of overweight people, and the more children and young people that can be encouraged to play sport and take part, the better all the way through. So I think the knock-on effects from from playing sport and um, being active uh, w- far outweigh any any criticism that anybody should be giving, and I think everyone should be saying absolutely fantastic, well done, JP.
3: And and I think the fact that he has said to the county boards, divide this up. Between you know, as many of the smaller clubs and other the clubs across the county as you can, because then what it does is it develops the game and it improves all of their facilities.
7: Absolutely, and again, you know, all the all the young ones in rural Ireland, the the total um, community spirit created by the 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 people playing the games and parents and everything, there's there's always going to be people who knock everything. But I think this is a a wonderful gesture and that the knock on effect from it will be excellent.
3: Yeah. And in fairness to people that are criticising him and saying, you know, he should give it to charity rather than give it to a voluntary organisation like the GAA. I mean, I did jump in straight away and defend him because I know from a, a personal point of view, where my daughter attends the services of St. Yes. Joseph's Foundation yeah. in Charleville, uh, we have been very generous recipients of money from the J.P. McManus, from, from the Proam, which is uh, going ahead again yes. uh, next year or the, or the year after. Uh, as Charlie and Whelan points out, J.P. McManus does give lots of money uh, to charities. He's very I, I, philanthropic. I, I, he's, he's a very generous man. And there's...
7: there's for all the ones we know about there's more that he does
3: quietly That's that's a really good point and Mary in Mallow says get off the GAA back who is looking after the children on a voluntary basis keeping them off the streets people are constantly knocking the GAA let the game go ahead today and enjoy it and if JP McManus wants to give money to every county board then let him he just wants to celebrate Limerick's win he donates money all the time and he never looks for publicity for it he does a lot of his work uh, quietly and at the end of the day, Fran J.P. McManus is a very proud Limerick man.
7: Absolutely. Well, we're here. Here. That's all I'll say. <laughs> are,
3: you, are you still celebrating the win in Ardpatrick?
7: Oh, do you know what? It, it is wonderful, and and there's, there's a brilliant picture up on social media today. Of the girls Limerick and the Liam McCarthy and and um, it, 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 it's just lovely to see the two cups side by side it's the best fabulous. Limerick photo. It's fabulous. But, and and I actually am not a huge GAA fan. I can't say that I am. I love all sports, but. But um, I, I just I just think that it, it is it is wonderful for the county. And if it was in Cork, I'd say it was
3: wonderful for Cork. Well done. County. Well done. Yeah. Thank you for that, Fran. <laughs> Thank and you thanks too. for your call. Bye. God bless Eighteen fifty-three-three-three-one-zero-three. Now Parent Line is a confidential service for anyone who needs non judgmental support, or guidance. And they're currently looking for new volunteers. As over three 000, mums and dads a year are calling the service to chat about the work of ParentLine. I'm joined by CEO uh, Risha O'Reilly. Good morning to you, Risha.
0: Hi, Patricia. How are you? I'm
3: very well. You're welcome to the programme. How long Thank is you. ParentLine up and running?
0: Since 1982. Is so it that a long, long? Yeah, it's a long time. So that's a lot of parents we've supported over the years, well over 100,000 parents. So it's, uh, it's a lot of parents and it's a lot of experience in the organisation as well. Um, we currently have some volunteers who are with us over 30 years wow. and so they have, you know, they've been parents, they're now grandparents, maybe even great-grandparents at this stage, but they've supported a lot of parents and have a lot of experience that they can share and give to parents who ring in.
3: And have the type of calls changed over the years? <laughs>
0: Absolutely. They they come in waves, different different cause over the years. When Parent Lines was set up first it was around postnatal depression and young mothers feeling isolated and alone because all the cities in Ireland were beginning to expand and where we would have been living beside our parents or an aunt or whatever for support with a new baby now sometimes young mothers are out in the middle of a anonymous housing estate and didn't know where to turn so that's what originally what parent line was set up for so originally it was around postnatal depression and, and young babies and then over time it grew we found that we needed to expand it because the people were ringing in and saying no I want to ask this question that question so we we trained our volunteers in whatever topic came up but um, during the 80s we had a lot of calls about drugs or well into the 90s really a lot of calls about drugs and now the most frequently occurring one is anger and aggression and child to parent violence so uh, things have changed a lot
3: Anger um, and aggression this is the children turning on the parents Exactly Exactly wow.
0: Now that goes from the banging the door the slamming the door shouting you know that yeah the teenage, teenagers do, the, yeah yeah they do uh, right up to just physical violence you know so it's, it's a bit
3: of everything it's a bit of everything do so, more uh, do more mums than dads ring you yeah
0: 80 84 percent of the calls are from mothers, and um, way more and um, mums and dads than dads and then the, the calls come from all over the country they sort of reflect the population you know we get most from Dublin, a lot from Cork, a lot from Limerick. You know, so it's uh, they reflect the co- population, and, and they're all sorts of people. I, you know, like there's every age group, but also every social class and rich or poor, and everybody rings. You know, because yeah. everybody who is ever a parent has a question to ask.
3: Yeah, yeah. And you are a, a volunteer-led service. Who typically volunteers for Parent Line, and who makes it for a good volunteer?
0: Uh, somebody who can listen. That somebody who has three hours a week to spend with ParentLine and they can listen, they can, because what our main job is to sit with the parent and give them the time and the space in a non-judgmental confidential way that they can explore what's going on in their world and we'll ask the open questions and more often than not, the parent will hang, hang up at the end of the call and say, thanks very much, I'm going to do exactly what you told me to. <laughs> we haven't told them to do anything, you know. Yeah. They, we've just allowed them that space where they can explore it and think about it. And they come up with the answer themselves. And, I mean, we all turn to our parents and our auntie and whatever, and they say, ah, that'd be grand, or leave them alone. And, you get, and, and you're and you thinking, "No, oh, that's not what I wanted to hear, you know. Or worse again, they say, tell you exactly what you should do. And that's not what you want to hear. So you want to think about it and deal with your parenting issue in your family's way, the way you want to deal with it.
3: Well, I suppose for the modern parents uh, today, social media is, is something that wouldn't have been there when you started out back in the 80s. And this, the ongoing argument of smartphones and what age a child should be allowed a smartphone and the, the what we would often hear about every other child in the class has a smartphone I want yeah. one should you give one if every other child in the class has a smartphone?
0: No, it's up to you as a parent to decide when your child gets a smartphone or anything else either an Xbox or a Playstation or whatever it is it's up to you to decide I can afford this or I can't I, w- I want to you to have it or I don't want you to have it or these are the boundaries I'm setting around. Okay, I'm allowing you to have a smartphone but you must hand it up at 8 o'clock in the evening or whatever the rule is and the age appropriate rule is in your house. And it is up to the parent to say and do that. Yeah,
3: and it can I, be hard to say no.
0: It is very hard. It's very, very, very hard. But it, I mean, it, you just have to be strong. And I, I suppose If a child is used to the parent laying down, rules sound very hard, boundaries, laying down boundaries, um, then they'll hear the parent. Actually, I was sitting on the bus yesterday evening beside, I would say, first years. And um, one youngster said, I told my mother where to go using bad language and she took my phone off me for four days. And, she said, and, he, and the others were saying, oh, I should have given it back. You could have pounded her and she would have given it back. And we said, no, my mother would not give me back the phone. She took it off me for four days. And he had it in the sand there, so he'd obviously gotten it back. Yeah. And, you know, and they said, they said, was she giving out hell to you? And they said, no, she didn't. She just said, this is not allowed in our house. Took the phone off her, off her and that was the end." of it. And I thought,
3: Well done, oh, mammy. That's well done, yeah, mammy. And yeah. and you know something he'll he'll stop and think the next time he decides to use an explosive. And not only
0: would he stop and think, but the three lads he was with Heard of as
3: well. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the story I often tell uh, about a friend of mine who had uh, three young children and they're all grown in now uh, to fabulous young adults themselves um, and they wouldn't share. It was a particular instance where they wouldn't share sweets that they had and there was a big argument going on in the car and literally you no, there's a there's a littering star, sp- part of the story. She literally took the sweets from them and threw them out the window. And they, those three kids, young kids, as adults, still talk about God. Remember the day, Mammy threw the sweets out the Wood Road. They got such yeah. a shock. And and the big thing, did you share after that? Jesus, of course I shared after that. <laughs> they <laughs> just, <laughs> you know what I mean? That when none. something yeah. like that happens, yeah. it just sticks yeah. in your mind, going, "Whoa, no means no in my house."
0: Yeah, and. It's I mean, parents obviously don't want to be negative all the time. You know, you, you want to be positive, but you, you create those rules for what is necessary. You mm. know, you don't have to have rules about everything and everything doesn't have to be hard and sharp or whatever. But you create the rules for what is necessary in your home to make life happy for parents and kids.
3: We had a mother contact us last week, Rita, about the amount of homework her sixth class son receives. Is homework a constant battle in many homes?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a constant battle. We get a lot of calls about homework. Now, there tends to be rules. off the top of my head, I can't think of what it is at the moment. But, you know, they say in first class, it's a half an hour by sixth class, it's an hour and a half or whatever it is. And they shouldn't do any more than that. <sighs> very well isn't it you know and if you've got a child that's got some sort of difficulty like a child with dyslexia or dyspraxia so one of those where they've got a little difficulty learning it's going to take longer it's going to take stress it's going to be um, hard and I suppose all you can do is say look let's do the homework when you come in from school spend the hour doing it you probably need to put down your own parents have to put down their own phone turn off the telly turn off their own radio you know so that they're concentrating as well and even if they're not sort of doing the homework with the child, but there's no distraction for either parent or child, because otherwise stress will build up, and you say, "Okay, here we go. we're spending this time with the with the homework, and if it's not done in an hour or whatever is relevant for that age group, it's not done, and you just have to go in and tell the teacher in the morning that you you can't do it in an hour end of story um but that's that's very easily said, very very easily said because meantime you're trying to make the dinner, you've got another child doing other homework you've yeah. got." you know, a project that needs to be done and there's, all oh, this has to be done tomorrow and all of those kind of things. So it's very, very hard. I know I used to dream when my children were small that they had an extra hour in school and not do any homework. Mm-hmm.
3: But that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> yeah, know. yeah. And, and and know that you're not alone. It happens in nearly every house. I read a really good uh, piece. It was in the, uh, I think it was in the Irish Times this week Or somebody talked about that the novelty of, of, of back to school as well, well and uh, truly worn off. And the headline was, I didn't like homework as a child and I hated even more as a parent. So know, oh, know wow. that you're not alone. Okay, yeah. so... Uh,
0: and the other thing is, I have two children. One never had a bother doing her homework. She just came in and did it and that was it. You know, not that yeah. she was... Brilliant or anything, but that was her—the type of person she is. And my youngster, that was another story altogether. You know, so kids different, families differ. You know, and they both have the same rules. Mm. So that's what happens. Yeah.
3: Okay, how can people contact ParentLine Rita? It's one
0: eight nine zero nine two seven two seven seven, or eight seven three three five hundred oh one eight seven. 3 The numbers number. are on the website parentline.ie.
3: Okay, you have a great website by the way. It's just anybody to go and take a look at it. It really is uh, informative. Uh, Rita, pleasure as always. Thank you for that. Thank and, uh, you. Thanks, uh, Thank you thanks for joining us and uh, good luck uh, getting their volunteers uh, to maintain what well, is a great service at uh, Parentline. That's Rita O'Reilly. 1850 103. John Paul takes your calls. Text or WhatsApp oh, 0862 103
1: 103. Call today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family Run so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie.
3: C103. Now, authors, experts, historians, all with an international reputation, are coming to formoy this weekend. It's part of the Thomas Kent History Symposium. To give us a flavour of what the weekend holds, I'm joined in studio by Mary Colette Sheehan, who is director of the symposium. Good morning to Mary Colette, and uh, you are very welcome. Now, the focus of the inaugural, the inaugural symposium is Ireland 100 years ago, which which have been just the end of the Great War. What was Ireland like back in 1918?
8: Well, first of all, thank you so much for uh, welcoming me here this morning. And I'm really delighted to be able to talk about something that I think, uh, which is the general gist of this symposium, hasn't been talked about. I'm not talking only about, for example, at the end of uh, 1918. We're talking, of course, about the end of World War One. But there's a whole lot of hidden histories and subtle, nuanced histories that are lurking around our psyches. And that sounds maybe an odd way to come at this, but they're waiting. They're, they're waiting to be heard. The organising of this symposium, granted it's aged me about 200 years and four months. <laughs> My youthful good lucks have finally <laughs> departed. Um, uh, it's, it's as though the thing was waiting to be made. All of these connections that were, that they existed. And all I did was touch a little bit the surface of the history that we're all living on top of. And this enormous event is just coming into life. But again, as I was saying to you before we came on air, it's like the thing was waiting to be made. Because
3: you talk about um, it's a part of our history that's been overlooked and forgotten.
8: And it's it's a huge victim to the idea of history as only being a view that can be a political view. What the... The kind of the the what would we say? The, the DNA of this symposium uh, is really the idea that instead of judging history, which is what happened to all of the people we're going to talk about in a minute, I'll get your, your question in 1918, that instead of judging them, because when you judge something, you end up in, in having to, to take a point to take a position and then you normally have to argue your way in or out of it. This is really about looking at the characteristics of history, saying what they were and just kind of pulling them up out of the mud or the dust or the cobwebs that they've been living in and just dusting them off and and having a look at them. So in 1918, what are you looking at in the town of Femoy and all of the garrison towns in Ireland, of whom there were so many, of which there were so many, are men who are either leaving or have returned from World War One, The biggest, most catastrophic event to happen in the world at that stage. The... Understanding of human life as something that you would take out on a mechanical basis, it's really what happened. It's, it's what the Industrial Revolution became, is the mechanic, the mechanized killing of people on an, an enormous scale. 58,000 people would die in a day. 58,000 people didn't do anything ever other than live in the world, until 1916 and 1917 and, 19 and 1918. Freud was observing World War One, which we forget about. And he was saying, well, we've all known that we would die. You know, this isn't unusual. It's just that nobody thought we'd be dying in hundreds of thousands in a very short time. And the way these
3: men died was just horrific.
8: And then what do they do? They have to come back into their lives after that. So in the town of Fermoy, for example, you have men in 1918 who either haven't come back, who are never going to come uh, back? Who are missing? You, you have to figure. Of of, the was
3: it two hundred di- died? I I took the the, um, the
8: names from a great sacrifice edited by Jerry White and Brendan O'Shea, a wonderful testament to the loss of life in Cork, particularly of all of those men who left from from Moy, for example, and never returned. But if you take the figure of about two hundred, there's about two hundred and forty. But some of those would be guys who were essentially they come from England, they were training. Uh, they would have had addresses in Frome, but they're, they've gone. That's they where they've gone back from to. Essentially. Firmoy, yeah. So I'm giving it about 200, just to kind of make a conservative estimate, and give all of those people, all, almost all of whom are men. Give them a brother or a sister, give them a mother and a father. So we're at three people. Give them uh, an uncle or an aunt. That's four. Give them a very best friend. That's five. And give them somebody who knew them, an employer or a teacher, whomever. Whomever. And you're talking about 12,000 people who have a direct loss mm. at that statistic. So these people, this this chap is dead, these 200. But the statistics in Ireland were that if you joined the army and fought in World War One, if you were Irish, the statistics were that one in six of those men would die. You were totally gone to hell if you joined in Scotland because it was one in four. But if you take the figure of one in six, then five more men came back. They went somewhere. And they came back with those appalling memories that you've just mentioned. They had seen things that nobody had seen. And the problem with that experience, if I see something absolutely terrible, of course, what, what I want to do is, A, I want to tell somebody else. But if I tell you, then you've got this memory. And what are you going to do with it? And the idea was that um, we didn't talk about these things in 1918. And yes, that is certainly the culture of it. But there's also very much that idea of self-protection, which is don't tell me your terrible things. I know they're terrible because then i will have to deal with them, too. So there's this wall of silence that's already in place from the civilian population trying to protect themselves from that terrible, terrible, terrible information, sights, sounds, smells. Yeah, it's like like the people
3: that that survived the concentration camps. Many of them never spoke. And those that did left it till very later in life. And it was because they didn't want to be reminded of what they actually went through.
8: And then by the same token, and and thank you for bringing that up, because, of course, Tommy Riesenstall is coming down to talk to us. And Tommy is there for the very good reason, which is if you take history off the curriculum, then Tommy can't be in the room. By the same token, if you take history off the curriculum, as it turns out, nobody can be in the room. And that's what we're missing. We are missing the fact that history isn't something. History is the victim of bad teaching. That's what history is the victim of. It's, it's the, the, the victim of bad teaching and politics. And then people feel that they don't have a voice, that they don't understand their own stories, that they don't think they're important, either the person or their story. And that disconnect is it's like a tapestry fraying all the way through the middle. Loads of threads, the idea that there was a, a coherent picture, but it's all become unpicked and somehow we don't quite know how to put it back together. So I,
3: are you critical of the way history has been taught or the fact that it's not a compulsory subject?
8: Both at this point. I, I, I think I looked up the UN Declaration of Human Rights and in Articles 26 and 27, it states that we have an entitlement to a cultural identity. Now, how do you think that's formed? History. History. Mm. The problem with history, and you ask any young student, so oh, should they just tell us all the facts and figures? For heaven's sake, there was a history teacher whom I'm aware of recently who said, sure, I couldn't be bothered with that war stuff at all. <laughs> I thought it was years ago I'd want to be doing it anymore, you know, two years ago. The problem with not knowing your history is. That even though not directly affected, shall we say, by having a husband who was shell-shocked. Well, you grew up in a household where there was then perhaps a grandfather who was shell-shocked. And you grew up knowing that there's somebody in your family who has got some strange, rather terrible behaviour on occasions that can't be accounted for. Because, of course, there's no language surrounding it. And you grew up coping with that. So you grew up learning how to cope with all sorts of extraordinary behaviours that have no context surrounding them anymore. And that's part of your DNA then, isn't it? Learning how to mm. cope with that. And then you pass that on to somebody yeah, else. Yeah. And yeah. the further you get away from the information, the more bizarre the behaviour comes. And by the same token, if you're wandering down the street and you meet somebody coming in from a, a boat who's just survived Syria and crossing an ocean because we tell them that they have to you know, not come here and you meet them finally and they have strange behaviour, you don't know how to recognise that either. And you also don't know all of the information that is forming you as a citizen. And so that instrument of intelligence, that way of response, that that great concern that people generally have for each other—you don't really know how to formulate that into your life if you don't understand the elements that have formed you. We went to uh, see the um, famine exhibition in Skibbereen recently, and although I generally hadn't particular interest in going to it, it was like going to a removal. You went in about looking at the the life of somebody whom you had a notion about, you know, and then you go in and you go, "Oh my God, that's what happened to them."
3: Yeah, yeah. but. And there's a great movie actually out at the moment, Black 47. On, on the family if people want to get an insight uh, And Black 47 uh, and will
8: also give you the picture of the Wrens yeah. not only on the Currah, yeah, but the Wrens who lived out in Wren yeah. as well yeah. We are surrounded by history It is underneath us It is around us and this conference is a really a way of simply taking a light and shining it on it and saying you know, have and, a look
3: Yeah and you know it. I mean it's vital like least we forget that we have to continue to teach history to to the young people and to future generations um, Give me an example of some of the speakers because you've got a great lineup of um, Speakers and talk to me because I'm going to run out of time about the mayor who's coming.
8: Oh, oh uh, the mayor from Guimont, Didier Saman, yeah. a wonderful man who has, and and as have the mayors before him in Guimont in Picardy in France, which is on very near to the uh, Belgian border and it's near Thipal. Thiepval, forgive me not so very far indeed from you but they have so carefully minded the memory of the 16th Irish Division who essentially were trained in Formoy who were trained in Formoy yeah that's our connection there but that, yeah. but that was the piece of information that was missing um, the 16th Irish Division saved that town and nearby Ginchy, which essentially were flattened and And they knew nothing the
3: about Formoy until you arrived yes which the seems summer. extraordinary
8: I can't believe yeah there it is. Yeah, so they have reminded themselves and been so thoughtful and respectful of the memory of the 16th Irish Division who were decimated um, in their efforts to save. But they did save these towns uh, from being overrun in World War I by the Germans. And and every year there's a ceremony and indeed dignitaries from Ireland, North and South both have been going there every year and been thinking of these things. And somehow I bumble into the whole thing and I go, do you know about Fomoy at all? <laughs> so that, that, so the mayor
3: is coming with his wife
8: to lay a wreath? And to pay respects what I think and is extraordinary lovely. is that what it does is it changes the view of towns like Formoy in particular in this instance Formoy but, but uh, you know the Royal funds, the Royal Munster Fusiliers came from all over Munster there were men in the 16th division who would have come from Munster trained in Formoy gone to France never returned or indeed did but came back with those terrible memories which is what Sheila Llewellyn is going to address saying out loud the words shell shock I don't think we've said them out loud in a hundred yeah, years yeah. and those terrible conditions that those incredibly brave men some of whom who succeeded their lives and some who did not um, had to deal with it's never too late to recover and to rehabilitate and to simply mourn the loss of all of that I think there's an enormous blanket of sadness surrounding World War One that Ireland has never really had a chance to express and to mourn
3: well you've got an opportunity to talk about it uh, this weekend Um, how can people sign up for the symposium go along to some of the talks we um, we are selling
8: tickets on Eventbrite. We are also selling them in Fomoy Books in Patrick Street from Fomoy and at the community centre. And I gather, the Youth and Community Centre, by the way, by the river, I think really what's happening is that people are buying tickets on the day or on the door, which, of course, is delightful. It would be wonderful if we had... Uh, um, Tickets sold in it in advance. So but have you can a come presence. into a particular you talk. And by talk the same token, to which isn't said anywhere, if you want to go to one event on Friday and another event on Sunday, um, and it's one talk on both days, we'll sell you one day ticket okay. and it'll cover. both. Tell me
3: about this picture that you have on the brochure. Isn't
8: that amazing. It's uh, people might have seen it for the Heritage Week event. But it's a reconstruction of the new barracks and it uh, looks really beautiful. People have been wanting to buy it. What's remarkable about that is, first of all, it's the first time it's been seen intact since 1922, since we lost... Burned it down, don't you know? Um, but this was made by a woman called Sophia Kiriakou. Sophia, if anybody has turned on the BBC news reports, you would have seen Sophia's work. She's a graphic artist with the BBC. I think about 20 million people have seen her work. And you'll recognize some of the figures that she's created right now. She's working on the US midterm elections. All the graphics that you'll be watching. Yeah, be on Sophia's TV, work. Yeah. And Sophia, I gave her the plans and I gave her some photographs. And out of that, she has it's made... incredible this and I think it's just extraordinary but Sophia is worldwide famous and she's coming to Formoy which is pretty remarkable Sheila Llewellyn has a really extraordinary life um, coming to from If you want to hear uh, Tommy Rieschenstahl coming to from the next time you'd have to go and is to hear a him at Harvard. Speaker.
3: He's a fantastic speaker. Okay, I'm over, way over on time. I could talk all day to you, uh, Mary Killette. We're going to have to have you back in again. Good luck with the symposium at the weekend and thanks a million for joining us in You're so kind. I'm really grateful for this. Th- thank you very thank much. Thank you for that, Mary Killette. And we're going to take a break. We have news at 12 midday. Cork
1: today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See cbreedhaven.ie C103 You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
3: Uh, some of your texts, a lot of texts into the programme today. Let me get through some of them. A No name on this particular text, is there? No, there's not. Your story about the sweets being thrown out the window. Sorry story from my friend when, when her children were younger and they wouldn't share sweets and they, <laughs> they were all fighting in the back seat of the car and the sweets were taken off them and thrown out the window. Uh, that reminds me of a story from my uncle. His son was driving on the M25 and his mobile phone rang. He picked it up to answer the call. His dad, my uncle, caught the phone and tossed it out the window, destroying it. This was followed by a session of hot tongue and then cold shoulder. And what followed was my uncle, great picture with no sound for about 50 miles. He ran, my uncle, a haulage business for 25 years without a mobile phone. And he could not believe that his son was picking up the phone in the, while driving along the road. So he took the phone from him. Very extreme indeed. And that was an adult to another adult, you know what I mean? I wonder how many people would feel. I can imagine the picture, no sound it, it, for the drive for the rest of the journey. OK, on the Lee Miller, now this one we're trying to get checked. Mary in Northcork says, the Lee Miller match, could you please clarify for us about the shuttle bus service from the city to Porky Creeve? They advertised this service for the Ed Sheeran concerts back in May and they've also advertised it for matches that have been held in Porky Creeve. But what they forget to tell the people is there's no shuttle bus service back into the city after any of these events. If a person is unable to walk to the event and takes the shuttle bus service, how then do the powers that be expect the person to walk back afterwards? So is there a service afterwards? Uh, okay, we're trying to. Obviously, it's getting very close to the. I think it's Porky we've at this stage. When people coming in, uh, any of our contacts not picking up. They're all extremely busy at the moment. But from any of the bump that we have about the major traffic plan that has been put in place, they do all say that the shuttle bus. So the, the shuttle bus, which operates from Laps Key to the Monaghan Road on a 10 minute frequency, is between 12 and 3 p.m. So it, as soon as the match begins, the shuttle bus service ends. So, yeah, it is only one way, which seems like a crazy situation and one I hadn't thought of before. Because I, when I was at the Ed Sheeran concert, luckily I have two legs that are still mobile. We walked um, and... I did see the shuttle buses, but uh, now thinking about it, there wasn't any shuttle buses afterwards, which seems rather bizarre. And I absolutely, Mary Northcock, I absolutely accept your point because I was saying to people wouldn't, you know, if you can walk, I'm encouraging people to walk, get a bit of exercise as well and it's it looks like we've got a nice day weatherwise, so and it's nice to get out and have a, have a little bit of a walk and I was saying, leave the shuttle bus for people who can't do very long walks and might have some slight mobility uh, issues but it, I never thought that there's no bus back afterwards and Mary makes a very valid point, if a person isn't able to walk to the event, how in hell are you expecting them to walk after the event? So we're going to do our best to try to look into it, I don't think we're going to change any, any minds or hearts for today but let's see can it be changed going forward. And Mary in North Cork also on um, the JP McManus and his very generous donation to all of the GAA county boards around the country. Mary says this country is full of begrudgers. He need not have given anything. It may not be a large amount for individual clubs here in Cork but when money is scarce in individual clubs who are always fundraising to keep going it's most welcome. Thank you, JP, says Mary in North uh, Cork. Also on this, John in Clonacilty, says Patricia, on JP McManus, every county board in Ireland, €100,000 each. It is a great gesture by a very wealthy man. But did the GAA really need the money at the end of the day? Building a few houses for people sleeping on the streets, to me, would have been a much bigger gesture, says John in Clonakilty. So don't give it to the GAA, put the money into building houses. Margaret said, what a begrudger. Uh, Oh, that must have been some comment I read out. So what begrudgers we have listening to the programme today. Isn't JP a generous man? I just hope it goes down the line to all of the struggling small county clubs uh, by the way Sis Margaret I'll be devastated if no Christmas bonus is paid I need a bit of extra fuel for the winter and I also use it to put an extra bit of meat into the freezer to keep me going throughout the year Mrs Margaret so that's where her uh, Christmas budget uh, goes on um, and let me go okay let me stay with No, let me just I'm just trying to uh, put all the comments together let me stay with J.P. McManus and the GAA. Eileen in Malice says, Hi Patricia, I'm sure the GAA are delighted with their windfall. Anybody tell me how long the GAA is a charity? That's from Eileen in Cork. Are they a charity or not?
1: Cork Today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie.
3: C103. So more of your comments uh, coming in. Eileen, on the point about is the GAA, uh, when did the GAA become a charity? The GAA, they're a not-for-profit organisation. I wouldn't class them uh, as uh, a charity. Uh, somebody else on the criticism of J.P. McManus says there are plenty of millionaires in Cork I don't see any of them giving any money to uh, anyone. Trish says, I'm not involved with the GAA, but I feel people should simply just say thank you to J.P. McManus and stop all the negativity. And someone else says, my God, all that money going to the super rich GAA. It's like throwing water into the sea. What a waste of uh, money. And still getting calls and texts and saying is the Lee Miller match on TV. Yes, the Lee Miller match is on TV. It's on uh, Virgin Media, which is the old TV3 uh, channels. It's on Virgin Media Sport and Virgin Media 3. And it's on between uh, from 2 to uh, 6 uh, p.m. It, it starts at 2 o'clock. And then uh, it'll finish at uh, six. Are we going to that caller, John Paul? No, we're not. OK, some more of your texts uh, coming into us. OK, on Regina Doherty and the very notion that the Christmas bonus might not be paid out. She's in negotiations. She's trying to finalise her package for the budget, the social protection package and she claimed yesterday that she still hasn't got the required £257 million that she would need to pay out the Christmas bonus. Regina Doherty says Sandy is simply playing politics so she can claim credit for the payment when it is announced. Not paying will be like old Fine Gael taking the shilling from the pensioners. Her comments are all a lot of hot air in my opinion. Sandy said Apple's tax money cannot be touched and interest will be we were paid to Apple. Oh, I didn't realise that. I was wondering what was happening with the interest. Uh, Ireland is appealing as it sees it as the EU dictating Irish taxation and an attempt via the EU court on issues such as corporation tax rates. So, Sandy, very much backing and supporting why the government are appealing the decision. But that money sits that... It's gone to 14 billion now, but don't be dreaming that we're going to get to spend it in this country because we haven't a hope in hell. I think all of that money will end up being handed back to Apple. On the old age pensioners. Oh, this is an interesting one. The argument that the old age pensioners can't get loans because we had that earlier. Somebody was making the point why it's so important for the old age pensioners to get the Christmas bonus because... You know, they can't get one old age pensioner says we can't go out and get a loan if you want to buy a car. And it's not like if you're out of work and you can borrow money when you're an old age pensioner. Fixed income. That's what you're stuck with. And they rely on the Christmas bonus. That argument that you can't get a loan is a non-runner, says this texter. Old age pensioners own their own homes in the majority of cases. What about people in rented accommodation paying huge rent week after week after week, no security of tenure and they can't even get onto the property ladder? Should they not get a dig out And by the way, I am an old age pensioner, says this texter who says Christmas bonus shouldn't be going to the old age pensioners, shouldn't be going to people in social welfare. It instead should be going to people who are the what you're describing there is almost the squeezed uh, middle. Someone else says, Patricia, if we don't get our Christmas bonuses, we'll have to get out March. And God, we remember old age pensioners. Well, it wouldn't just be affecting old age pensioners this time when old age pensioners got out Marched. The time that they tried to take the right to a medical card for the over seventies, we saw what the grey vote. Uh, but this time, uh, the Christmas bonus affects everybody who is entitled to it on on social, which is nearly all social welfare recipients. So a hand listener says, Regina Doherty, better remember the women who are losing out on full old age pensions because we stayed at home minding children. She had better secure that money. I can't wait for any political party to call to my door, says a Drumahan uh, listener. Well, yeah, she she did mention that yesterday, that 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 is going to be paid and they're doing it. They're going to start the first payments will be made in the first in quarter one of next year. And they are backdating it to March of 2018. Those were people who, when they changed the way the rate band was calculated in 2012 and a number of people and every year that number gets bigger and bigger as more people apply for their old age pension and realise because of those changes in 2012 they're not entitled to the full pension why? because they took time out to raise uh, their children uh, Tom says don't worry about the Christmas bonus Should You get on to JP McManus he might uh, step in and uh, help uh, out someone else says I agree with one of your previous texters one of your listeners build a few houses for the homeless uh, the G GAA stands for Grab All Association, says a uh, texter. Don't think that that 3.2 million that JP McManus had to give away should have gone to the GAA. And Martin in Formoy says, Patricia, what the heck is wrong with people? The GAA don't need any money at all. Will those people who gripe about everything please get a life fast and Cop on says Martin in uh, Formoy. and hi. This is Jim in Mitchestown. Hi Patricia. I think the Christmas, about the Christmas bonus. I think the Christmas bonus should be paid only. Oh, this is interesting. I think the Christmas ba- bonus should only be paid to old age pensioners. Says Jim, and those who are on disability, long term unemployed shouldn't get a red. If they've been unemployed and not willing to work like the rest of us, they shouldn't be entitled to a penny while the rest of us work our backsides off, says Jim in Mitchellstown. Now, I'd be interested to hear how people would feel about that, that that if Regina Doherty comes back and says, I can't get too... £157 million to pay the Christmas bonus but I can get X amount maybe half of it or a third of it or, or whatever and if she came back with a proposal and said okay we'll look after the older people we'll look after people on disabilities but everybody else sorry you're not going to get it this year maybe we'll have money and we'll be able to give it to you next year so it would mean all of the unemployed people all of the lone parents it would also mean carers if you're going if you're if you are dividing it the way Jim and Mitchelstown wants only old age pensioners, only people on disability don't give it to anybody else. A lot of people would lose out on that. I mean, Regina Doherty has said she does have priorities and her de- her desire is to prioritise the needs of lone parents uh, as well as increasing payments such as as pension as pensioners, carers and disability payments but again remember and somebody pointed out and we reiterated it earlier there has been a decline an extraordinary decline in the number of people on the live register more and more people are back to work we're nearly at full employment in this country so the live register is certainly not as high as it was in previous years and certainly not as high as it was last year when everybody on the live register would have been paid out the christmas bonus so it's hard to know why the figure has gone up so much it cost two hundred and eighteen point six million last year, and she reckons it 's going to cost two hundred and fifty seven million i don 't quite know i mean obviously she 's basing the figures on what is being paid out in social welfare this year, uh, but the, certainly the unemployment figure ha- has decreased uh, decreased dramatically was the word uh, she actually used herself, which is which is great news and, and long may that uh, continue. Uh eighteen fifty three 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 one oh three. Okay, the, now this is an absolute long shot, I have to say. Father Liam Kelleher joins me. Uh, good afternoon to you, Father Liam.
4: Good afternoon, Patricia. Uh, Thanks very much for coming back to me. I think we
3: need a miracle for this one.
4: Oh, well, you never know. Miracles do happen, but anyway... Okay,
3: I tell us what's happened. It's, it's your ticket for the Lee Miller match.
4: I, for four weeks ago, I, I bought it because I wanted the sport thing, uh, even if I wasn't going to go, but I, I, I intended to go. and Normally I get a press pass, and there's no problem. And I looked for my ticket this morning, put it somewhere safe, and not a trace. I searched the whole house and not a trace. So, and I applied then to try and get the press. And obviously too late. And I've and a few people. And then when I have Darren McGann on with you this morning, I said, if I'm going to miss his singing, a cove man like myself, uh, I'd be, uh, I suppose, I've gone to so many things around the world. And this is in in car. I would hate to miss it. But I'm hopeful now that uh, something will turn up.
3: Where did you buy your ticket? Did you buy it online?
4: I did. I bought it on Super Value. Actually, that was my next call now. I'm getting call. I just did cross-country training, trials for people running these car schools on Thursday, and I was just heading up now to Super Value just in case uh, they would have a record.
3: But you bought it in the Super Value store, was it? Yeah,
4: I, yeah, I bought it. On did you
3: pay an with a card?
4: I'm not too sure. Probably, did, but I'm not certain.
3: And you've no idea what the ticket number was or what stand it was ID in. In the
4: wall, I put it away. Yeah. And I think maybe it, so. It may have gone into it's it's, it's kind of broken too, and it beside my bed. And probably it maybe it comes in maybe once a week uh, just to tell you after this, it was and just carry upstairs, tosses rubbish and threw it away. Ah, uh, yeah. I'm yeah. not giving up.
3: I know. I know. I know. Okay, uh, so you're looking for a spare ticket if anybody has a, has a spare ticket.
4: Or even somebody that's involved in the organising if they give me the press because I got to, I've been to 10 Olympics, I've been to the World Cup, I've been to everything in the world and even if I got, the at this day, stage, got press accreditation, uh, you know, that, that would do me, anything would do me to get in.
3: Yeah, and they know you well enough down there.
4: Well, they should anyway. I hope so at this stage.
3: And you've tr- have you tried your contacts within the GAA?
4: Not really. Uh, I actually um, just uh, this morning. You know, the last news—it's
3: only in the this in the last hour, so it happened. Okay, so we we did we, we did say we need a miracle. Uh, we yeah. may we may have one. Stay there. Uh, Charlie is in Whelan. Hiya. good afternoon, Charlie.
4: How oh, things? Have you a spare ticket? We have. We i we well, getting a ticket from Father Stretch. He is, oh, he, uh, in Whelan, he's in and and we have a spare terrorist ticket ourselves.
3: Will that do your Father Liam? Absolutely. Hey! Yep.
4: And Father Stretch is a great friend of mine. Is, it? Yeah. is we, he? Is he? We'll probably give him the Father Stretch of the spare stand ticket. We'll probably give him the stand ticket and the two will be together.
3: Okay, we, we'll put the two of you in contact with each other and you can arrange collection and all of that. Okay, okay. Okay, Charlie, thank you for that. No bother, no uh, no and brother. And Liam, enjoy.
4: I I certainly
3: win. Okay, I'll put you back out to John Paul. uh, The miracle happened
4: very quick,
3: didn't it? It didn't, i tell you, miracles happen. Uh, (laughs) I
4: was in Medjugorje for a week as well, you see, in the last week, and I saw miracles, but I never thought I'd see one of your socks, too.
3: Well, I was going to say, did you pray to St. Anthony to find the ticket? But I was thinking it was a bit late for St. Anthony. So, fair dues to Charlie in Whelan. He becomes our saint. I'll put you back out to John Paul and enjoy, because you need to get moving and get out, get over there. Okay, Okay. thanks. Bye-bye. That is uh, Father Liam Keller. And our thanks to Charlie in Whelan coming up with the uh, ticket. Uh, what else is coming into us on our Facebook page? Martin on Facebook said, what bonus did I get from the government for Christmas after paying tax for the 52 weeks of the year? There seems to be a bit of a divide now forming between people who go to work and don't get get up early in the morning, as Leo Varadka would say, and don't get any kind of a Christmas bonus. Because remember, not all companies pay out Christmas bonuses. And certainly... When there was a downturn in the economy, companies that previous to that had paid out Christmas bonuses stopped paying it out. And many of them never gave back those Christmas bonuses. So there's many people that go to work, you know, every single week. And as somebody said, is stretched paying high rent and all of that and don't have any money left for any of the luxuries and the, you know, the presents they might like to buy at uh, Christmas and in a way look on with envy at people on social welfare. Now why you would look on with envy and anybody living on social welfare I don't know but you know the point I'm making they see them as getting some kind of a bonus and that, that they're not and Martin summing it up saying uh, he works pays his tax every single week of the year and doesn't get a uh, Christmas uh, bonus. And Bob on Facebook, on um, the possibility, and I think it's a very outside chance that they won't pay the Christmas bonus. I, I really, if I was a gambling person, I would put money on that that p- bonus will be paid. But Bob says, this is what happens when the majority of people keep voting for Fáil, Fine Fianna Gael and Labour again and again and again. On J.P. McManus, Regina in Clonakilty says, when did J.P. McManus last pay tax in Ireland? If none of us didn't pay tax, we could do exactly what J.P. McManus is doing today, handing his money over to the GAA. He hasn't paid tax for over 20 years in this country, according to Regina in Clonakilty. Charlie in Whelan says, this is on the shuttle bus, usually there is a shuttle bus going back to the city at times when there is an effect, an event in Porky Cueve. It goes through from Ballantemple, near the venue bar, but you must wait for all the crowd to leave first before the bus can come down. Generally speaking, Charlie says what happens is you're faster walking. But, OK, it's worth putting that out there because for people who genuinely can't walk, for someone who's got a mobility issue and needs to use the shuttle bus, Charlie says head from Ballon Temple near the venue bar and if you wait there once the crowd is gone a bus will eventually arrive Now, how long you have to wait I do not know. 1850 some of the many and thank you very busy with calls and texts uh, in today um, thanks to everybody for uh, taking taking time out to contact us we're going to take a break though and we're back chatting with uh, Joe Heffernan and we are continuing to discuss seasonal affective disorder Cork
1: Today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow it's family run so your loved one will feel at home see Breedhaven.ie
9: C103 Hi,
1: I'm Simon Murdoch. Join me for the all-new Corks More Music Breakfast on C103. I'm kicking off a brand new way to win every morning with Celebrity C's. All you have to do is guess the voices to grab the cash. Turn on C103 and wake up with me. The all-new Corks More Music Breakfast starts Monday, only on C103. Patricia Messenger on C103. Nominated for Speech Broadcaster of the Year at the 2018 IMRO Radio
3: Awards. Okay, and before we go to Joe, just to pick up just a couple of texts. Somebody wants to know when will the fuel allowance be paid out for this year? The fuel allowance uh, scheme operates for 27 weeks each year. This year it'll run from the 1st of October to Friday the 5th of April to 2019 so the 1st of October so next week where are we at uh, the 1st is next Monday isn't it so next week the fuel allowance it is a payment it's twenty two fifty a week and of course they introduced last year you can get it in two uh, payments two lump sum payments as well but next week from next week it kicks in and thanks to Philip to say Patricia it's nice to have pleasant weather particularly at this time of year and hopefully it will hold up for St. Fimbers Mass in Gugambara on next Sunday afternoon, even though today, the 25th, is actually the feast day of St. Thimber, So it's nice to remember that today. Thank you for that. Philip, Joe Heffernan joins me. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. And we have to start with congratulations to you because you <laughs> have been awarded the Carl Berkeley Memorial Award.
9: That's a fact. That sounds terribly sorry, please.
3: That sounds terribly posh. What is the Carl Berkeley Memorial Award? Well, to
9: read out like what it exactly says is um this it's uh, awarded by the IACP uh, there's one recipient each year. It's been going for about I'm guessing now uh over 10 years. Uh and it says this national award honors um Uh, a a psychotherapist who has made an outstanding contribution to the development of counselling profession by creating or influencing counselling projects or counselling development work at local and national
3: level. Well done. (laughs) done. How did you find out that you had won?
9: I got an email from the Southern Committee of IACP who um, very kindly had uh, nominated me Okay. And um, so, uh, yeah, I'm 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 honoured and uh, and humbled as well. well
3: congratulations, um, it's it's well deserved. Thanks. And and when do you? Is there an award ceremony? There or? is
9: in the Marine Hotel in Dunleary um, in mid October.
3: And you get you actually get a memorial trophy, but you're only allowed to hang on to it for one year.
9: I think it's. Um, uh, Yes, in one way uh, that goes back.
3: Yeah, the trophy but, goes back, but you but get you
9: get a replica. Yeah, the mantle,
3: and you also get and no, I'm I'm reading this. Um, you get an ornamental pin, which you're allowed to wear.
9: Yeah, well, well yeah,
3: well yeah. done. We're very proud of you. Congratulations Thank to you. Thank you so you. much. Congratulations. And,
9: um, I'll be saying the same to you. I hope very, very shortly. Well,
3: wow. as I keep saying, our nomination is our win. But, th- but, th- but, thank you for remembering that. And yeah. while while we're here on all the positive good news stories, how's your son Ken?
9: Well, now um, again, my golly, mid October is going to be a big, um, a big uh, time for us. Um, he'll be going in to stay now in the Moffitt Cancer Center in Tampa, Florida. On uh, the seventeenth of October, and uh, that uh, the tests, then the scans, the ultrasounds, the bloods, etc., will (coughs) uh, make the decision as to whether what you're doing is working. He's on his third bout of chemo now. Um, A bout of chemo, which can lasts for a fortnight, fourteen days, and. It will either be keep doing what you're doing, it's working, the tumors have reduced, or uh, we need to change the uh, treatment.
3: And how is he feeling?
9: He's feeling quite okay. Um, He's coping extremely well uh, with uh, the chemo. Um, uh, No, he'd have the odd down there and a bad day, and that, I mean, it isn't all uh, sunshine. But, um, because it's a brutal,
3: it's a brutal, it's an effective treatment, but it's a brutal treatment on yeah. the body. Yeah,
9: he's he's uh, coping extremely well. Their little boy now was two last Friday the 21st, and they had a, a party and the photographs were only magnificent. Great. And um, uh, so like... Um, he, he's he's more than
3: coping. Well done, yeah. well done. He's cut from a good cloth. He'll, he'll he'll do well. Please God, and we're and we're thinking of of him and and uh, Katie and the little lad and indeed all of the family. Um, so, you're, you're often in our thoughts and prayers. So, so tell them, hang in there. Tell Thank them, hang you in there. Much, okay, we are continuing to talk about seasonal affective disorder. And we mentioned this last year because we're into autumn. You can already see the evenings are drawing in. It's getting a bit nippier in the morning, even though we have lovely autumnal weather for this week and, and long made a bit of an Indian summer uh, last. Well, we do know that this time of the year can trigger the seasonal affective disorder, which is a de- type of depression, which is directly linked to the seasons, isn't it? Isn't it fair exactly. to say
9: exactly? Um, it's depression which is linked to the seasons. That is precisely what we're talking about. Um, often referred to as SAD, um, seasonal affective disorder. And um, we talked last week about you know the the um, the, the the symptoms of of uh, depression, um, and uh, uh, we talked, uh, we said we would mention this week um, about uh,
3: treatment. Yeah, Uh, because we spoke as well, and and I know over the years I would have spoken to people who have admitted that they suffer from seasonal affective disorder, and SAD, as it's it's summed up as, uh, is a good description, because I remember speaking with a lady who said, literally, it's like something goes off in her brain, and she said, I just become incredibly sad,
9: well, she couldn't have put it more correctly because um, uh, this is exactly what happens: is that um, the uh, the change into the we'll call it the, the the short day and the more darkness does trigger um, neurotransmitters and um, uh, hormones uh, and uh, neurotransmitters in the brain uh, that cause. The symptoms of depression to to come on. So that's exactly it. Um, what what did she say? It's like a light switch. Yeah, on. she said it's
3: like something switches off or on in my brain. Off yeah. probably. And she said I just start to feel incredibly sad.
9: There you are. Yeah. And and that's um, I mean with all the um, with with all the the the, the research and the. Um, uh, Uh, reading about it, you couldn't possibly put it better. And, um, you know, feeling depressed, um, losing interest in activities, low energy, problems with sleeping, changes in the appetite, uh, consequently in weight as well, feeling sluggish or even feeling agitated, uh, not able to concentrate well, feelings of hopelessness, um, and... um, you know, having having uh, uh, possibly even suicidal thoughts. But let me stress again, because I I don't ever want to say that without adding that suicidal thoughts are a million, million, million miles away from. Uh, from the act of suicide
3: uh, A texter says we sad. Uh, I found a healthy diet and getting out in daylight were the two most important things in combating seasonal affective disorder that and maintaining friendships and hobbies easier said than done at times particularly when you're going through a bout of depression but vital nonetheless
9: uh, Absolutely, absolutely I mean um, if one was to write um, uh, uh, uh suggestions for dealing with SAD, that person that uh, has nailed contacted it. you there has it nailed.
3: Yeah. Yeah, um, well done. And I know last week when we started discussing it, uh, somebody contacted us and, and said get Joe to talk about light therapy. Uh, a listener has found light therapy particularly good for SAD.
9: Yeah, well no I wouldn't pretend to be an expert in it but it's often referred to as phototherapy it's uh, it, a light box is placed we'll say on the work desk or a place that that you're going to be during the day um uh it's also suggested that it be used at the beginning of your day for twenty or thirty minutes, so you need to allow time uh, very soon after waking now what it does is it mimics natural outdoor light and it fools the brain into producing chemicals that are linked to mood. So that, like, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, uh, it, it mimics, uh, natural outdoor light. And it's often the, the first line of treatment for SAD. And the other thing about it is that, um, you know, it's not a case of plug it in on Monday and I'm better on Tuesday. It takes time to take effect, but uh, it does work and I have spoken with people who have used a light box and found it to be beneficial and um, I remember at one stage um, I had a couple of them here. Um, I can't remember where I got them. I'm talking about donkeys years ago, but um, I think what happened was that um, somebody found it um, totally difficult to access one, so I got one. And when I was getting one, if I remember correctly, I got two to kind of have one. If somebody else found themselves in the same um, um, predicament, uh, the, the thing about it is like that. You again, first port to call the GP because. Um, you need if you're going to get a light box, like you need to get the right one. For example, if you want to put it on your work desk, that, that appeals to me like as being um, a place where it would um, uh, be very beneficial if you work at a desk. Um, uh, so, like you need to know you you need to fit that to to what size um, you're going to get. You don't want an almighty one. Uh, you want something if I remember now the ones that I got at the time um as a guess now they'd be about four inches by eight inches. now, that's just a guess, maybe ten inches, um but they weren't very big, like what kind of stand i mean will it will it stand on its own um no like um, as i I was saying to you um i I, I I don't uh, pretend to understand uh, the spec, the specification of light boxes and all that. But what I've looked up uh, would have said is that it should be made specifically to treat SAD. In other words, like any light won't do, and it should produce obviously as little UV light as possible, because as we all know, UV rays can be harmful. So. The idea here is to help your health, not to harm it. Um, the use, 20 to 30 minutes at the start of the day, um, about um, 16 to 24 inches from the face. Now, if my mats were never good, but I think 24 inches would be two feet. Yeah. 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 And the eyes open, but not looking directly at the light. Um there was things in it about um uh, looks and all that 10000 um uh looks um uh, capacity um etc but um I, I don't really know an awful lot about... Um,
3: and actually, ab- just... About, um, I mean, literally, just doing a quick Google search, there's so many different light boxes. Okay. And as you say... And, and, like, let's let's preface as well by saying it works very well for some people, but it doesn't work for everybody. So, are, I mean, it's, it's it is like one of those things. things. And, it's, and then medication. Would you suggest medication? Well, no. D- d- before
9: anything, like, to call to the GP. And um, very, very often... Um, uh, antidepressants are uh, prescribed and are found to be very, very helpful. Um, And again, there's a bit of trial and error in that. What will suit one person and they'd be uh, declaring it to be marvellous, another person, that mightn't work for them at all, and they might need a different one. And I would say, like, that if a person is on an antidepressant and if it isn't suiting them, just go back to the GP
3: and um, cuz there's so many different yeah, antidepressants yeah. Well, and the other one the other one the other thing with antidepressants you don't it isn't a magic you don't take one tablet no. and it, it, they can take up to 3 weeks to Absolutely. to start to work
9: Absolutely, it takes time um, for the antidepressants to to kick in. But the trouble is with some people is that if the particular antidepressant doesn't work for them or doesn't suit them, they kind of put that tag on all antidepressants and say, I don't like them, they don't suit me. But there are so many different types. And um, what will be, uh, you know, uh, very helpful for one person might, in fact... Um, uh, not suit another person at all, but that's not the end of the story. To go back to the GP, and um, yeah, there's a bit of trial and error about what one will suit
3: any one person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and then um, obviously your own like line of work, um, um, psychotherapy. Yeah. Somebody, by yeah. the way, has just sent in a text saying that they found going to meetings organised by Grow, uh, Mike and Bantry said I found that I find that most helpful every year.
9: There you are. And um, And that's uh, talking. Whatever works. Um, I can imagine as well that, um, uh, as well as Grow, that um, uh, attendance at aware meetings would also be very helpful. Um, Yeah. Um, Now, the one that I do know a bit about, um, as against the light boxes and the uh, medication, would be uh, psychotherapy. And look, it's great to talk about how you feel in a confidential and safe environment uh, where, um, you know, that it's not what you'd call a casual conversation. Um, uh, It can help to maintain optimism. You know, this too shall pass. Um, It can, uh, you know, a person might uh, realize that they're engaging with very, uh, negative, self defeating thinking, and that maybe to change that, to realise that thoughts are not necessarily true, and that feelings are not facts. That um, you know, that that one can um, uh come from this, um, uh, you know, there there can be a plan. It's like that person that rang into you a while ago. Um, you know, exercise, keep up your hobbies. Do your bit of socialising, and um, if you like, for example, the cinema, do go. I was at um, Black Forty Seven last
3: night. Um, it's it's on it's on my list of movies to see. You Is will it enjoy it? it. Was it it's excellent? Very good. Yeah. grim. Yeah. Very. Yeah, grim. yeah, yeah. Well, I because ex- the the very fact it's about the famine, I expect it yeah. to be grim. Yeah. It's one of the, it's one of those movies, uh, but 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 that particular listener who said that, you know, maintaining the friendships, maintaining the hobbies, easier said than done at times with depression. You've got to fight through it as well.
9: You have to push yourself. Um, uh, a thing I often say would be um, a little kind of a formula, if you like, would be face, accept, float, let time pass. No, what do they mean? Um, face the fear. Like if there's a meeting that you uh, want to go to but feel I like, just can't face it, face the fear. Um, and, and, and do that. It could be just going and doing the shopping. Um, face the fear. Accept the feelings. Like, it's not going to be, it's not going to feel very good, but accept that and kind of say, you know, um, it's, 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 it's quite uncomfortable, but none of the, the bad things are going to happen. I'm not going to make a fool of myself. It's not going to be, like, written on my forehead. Um, In fact, if you told most people that you were uh, quite depressed at the moment, somebody might say, God, you'd never think it. Um, So face the fear, accept the feelings. Now, float is kind of switch off the fight in the head. Will I? Won't I? I will. I won't. I might. I don't know. I will. I want to kind of stop the fight in the head, um, and just let the legs do the work. Like if it was a car now to be neither in forward gear or reverse gear, to be in neutral, but let the legs do the walking. And um, uh I I remember there was a title of a book one time, um, give up the struggle and dance with life. Now, um. That was by, I think it was Susan Jeffers. But um, it just came into my head there now because it's like that. Give up the fight and let the legs uh, bring you where you want to go. Um, In in other words, like, um, don't talk yourself out of it or think yourself out of it. So face, accept, float, and then let time pass is sort of, if I've done that, the next time I do it, is going to be easier. Um, it's sort of like nothing succeeds like success.
3: And um all right, and that's where we have to leave it. Okay. Uh, thank you for that, Joe. Have a good week, and if anybody wants to contact our award-winning psychotherapist, they can, 02976617. Thanks, Joe. Have a lovely thank week. You, and uh, we'll talk again uh, next week. That's where I leave you for today. If you are heading to the Liam Miller match this afternoon, enjoy every single moment of it. If you're not, uh, make sure you tune into to uh, Virgin Media uh, with our own uh, Trevor Welch. Uh, he'll be starting his commentary at, at 2 o'clock. Until tomorrow at 10, I'm Patricia Mess. Do thanks to John Paul McNamara. He produced.
1: Cork Today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103.
0: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's
1: quince.com slash upgrade. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. yahoofinance.com.